Hello and welcome to Our Three Cents, a podcast celebrating the very finest video games. My name is Jonathan Dunn and I am joined by my childhood friend, Chris Dow. I literally don't know have anything to say. <laughs> and my adulthood friend, Minty Booth. Hello and welcome to Our Three Cents. And we are discussing our all-time top 100 video games. This week, we have our number 72s. But before we do that, it is time to jump aboard... A small wooden raft as we punt our way down the Quizzissippi River. Hooray! <laughs> the score is currently 13 all. Oh, unlucky for some. Unlucky for both of us. Let's see who's going to pull ahead. How many bits was the Super Nintendo Entertainment 16. System? 16. Ooh, that was close. And I think the point goes to Chris. Hey! Fuck's sake. <laughs> There we have it. You've creeped ahead once again. We've had another question come in from the Twitter sphere. Oh, have we? What's that then? Alan Humphreys on Twitter has said, These days, he has less time to play games, so he's interested in our opinion on what the most fun game to pick up and play for around about 30 minutes to an hour is. So we're looking for short, short burst gameplay goodness. Hmm. I mean, for me, the obvious answer is pretty much any of the good roguelikes that are out there. Yeah. You know, really designed for short runs and you've got a different goal every single time and your progress will, you know, stack every time you come back to the game, which I think is really satisfying. And it's why I've stayed hooked on games like Dead Cells or like The Binding of Isaac, which are two games that I would recommend because they are on pretty much every platform as well. I would add Necrodancer to that mix. Ooh. Yeah, I picked it up when it was like 25 pence when <laughs> Cadence of Hyrule came out. I thought I would be terrible at it because as we know, my, my rhythmic capabilities are in the negative values. <laughs> but it's all right, actually. It's, it's good, even if you're not very musical. And it has that you know, that, that, that quick run stack in progress type thing that you mentioned about the other games. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I would add almost anything developed by PopCap Games uh, back when they were kind of actually pumping stuff out properly, basically before they were kind of eaten up by EA, when they were responsible for Plants vs. Zombies and Peggle, mm. Feeding Frenzy, oh, yeah. Zuma, like any of these games where it's kind of, it was level-based, so it's something that you could always make a little bit of progress at, but it was something that you always felt you were chipping away at. So there we go. There's a couple of suggestions to get you started. Dead Cells, Binding of Isaac... Plants vs. Zombies, Peggle, Crypt of the Necrodancer. Why not give one of those a bash? Let us know how you get on. Please do. Please do. And if anybody else has any questions, please do get in touch and you can listen out for details on how to do that at the end of this show. So, what have we been playing this week? I mean, I think I can answer because I think all of us have been playing Super Mario Maker 2, if that is correct. You I believe so. Correct. I have. So how are we finding it? Oh, it's really great, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think it's pretty much better than the uh, the original in almost every way. Yeah. O outside of, I did prefer having the the old style, what is it, resistive touchscreen that the Wii U had for, for actually making levels. It's slightly nicer than the, the capacitive one that's on, on the Switch, but outside of that, I can't really see any reason to go back to the original. Literally... Anything you can think of, you can do. It's mad. It's absolutely mad. Having said that, I have been struggling on the Super Mario 3D World theme in terms of creation because oh, there right. seems to be a lot less options 
which is a shame. There's a load of very specific features to that theme. What I think is quite nice now is, is with those different styles, outside of obviously the, the level elements being slightly different between each game as well, you can kind of make levels based around the movesets from each game as well because they seem more distinct for, for having like the, mm. the 3D world stuff. Because the, the 3D world Mario has like a long jump. You've got the, the three-step burst of speed type thing when you're running. You've got the kind of weird twirly thing if, if you hit the shoulder button when you're in mid-jump. So there's kind of a lot of subtle variations, which means that if you're essentially like playing like a, a series of levels in the endless course mode, you come across stuff that you, you have to kind of think on your feet. It's got that same sort of speed of thought needed that you get from something like WarioWare, yeah. where it's like, okay, hang on a minute, what are the rules of this scenario? Let's go. And that's really good fun. I tell you what, I really enjoyed story mode. I'm not that far through so far, but what I was really happy about was I was pretty convinced once they when they first showed it off that it was going to be okay each level is essentially like almost a blank canvas and it's like oh to solve it we're going to teach you how to make a slope or something like that that's what i thought as well yeah but in fact it's just a hundred really creative levels yeah i'm much much happier for it to be that because then it's like a proper curated game that's bigger than new super mario u and also having this this huge creation tool as well so i think it's a it's a fantastic package the one thing i didn't like in story mode were the levels where the wind condition was you can't leave you can't land after leaving the ground oh that's a stinker yeah yeah but there were some absolutely incredible genius levels that you know really open your imagination up to new ways of creating things and i often find that i mean i've made about i've made three levels at the moment and i'm working on a fourth and when i've been sort of stuck for ideas I'll sort of then go back into story mode and have a look and, you know, see what's there and think, okay, yeah, yeah, I could do that and this and that and whatever. And it's just great. It's just, it's brilliant. Think about it in terms of like teaching, the way Nintendo has kind of helped teach people how to make levels now. It's bore out in the stuff that you two have made as well. Like I remember the stuff we used to make for each other back in the Mario Maker 1 days. Nothing we made was as interesting or well put together as the stuff that you've both made in the last week in this game. Oh. Uh, and I think part of that is, you know, we might be a bit older and wiser for the stuff we've played. But going through the story mode, I think it's it teaches you how to do stuff through modeling just by saying, well, here, here's a creative thing. And, and I think that's so much more valuable than, like I said, if it was just each level saying, oh, OK, here you're going to learn what uh, an on-off block does. Yeah. I, I think it's much better to actually just make proper fully-fledged scenarios so you play through them sort of see the application of these different elements and then go away and, and try and take elements away and, and put it into your own creations. So, yeah, well done, both you boys. Hey, thanks. Shall we move on to the rankings? Yes. Starting this week, we have my game. Oh. My 72nd favourite video game of all time is... It's a first for this list in terms of the series that it's from. <sighs> it's from a very renowned series. <gasps> it is the second handheld entry of this series and the first of this series on the Game Boy Advance my brief synopsis in this stellar sci-fi action adventure you are essentially playing as a badass space quarantine nurse slash bounty huntress as you try and keep the dreaded ex-parasite at bay in Metroid Fusion ah. so interestingly enough there is actually a little link between this game and my previous entry which was Wario Land 2. What is that link? So, before this came out, Nintendo were quite keen to stress that this wasn't going to be Super Metroid, because I think a lot of a lot of people were 
assuming that the Game Boy Advance was just going to be essentially a handheld SNES. And they were very keen to stress that it was something entirely new. And so apparently the lead programmer didn't consult any of the previous Metroid games when he was creating this. And he used a different game as reference, which was the game that he made previously, which was Wario Land 4. Oh. Oh. I didn't know that the teams were connected. And I think possibly because it did take the, uh, the series in, in a couple of new different directions, I, I know that the game wasn't the most favourably received of the Metroid games. I mean, compared to, say, Other M or Federation Force or, <laughs> let's be honest, Metroid Prime Hunters, it, you know, obviously this was a, a 10 out of 10 game. And certainly I absolutely loved it. It was the first 2D Metroid game that I played. So I hadn't played the original Metroid or Metroid 2 on the Game Boy and I hadn't played Super Metroid either. So I was coming hot off the heels from having my socks blown off by Metroid Prime on the GameCube when I then came into Metroid Fusion. As far as I'm concerned, it's a fantastic Metroid game. Absolutely superb. It has got huge, sprawling environments to explore. It's got the classic upgrade system that is, you know, really key to the Metroid series, the Castlevania series, the Metroidvania series, plural, <laughs> and had very, very satisfying exploration. It was very well sort of designed in terms of the map system, so you knew where you were and you kind of started to figure out where secrets might be hidden and allowed you to discover them. And you always felt really, really cool and really smart when you discovered something, a little secret area, and you got an upgraded health tank or, or some missiles or whatever. And... The thing I really liked about the game is it felt really cinematic. So it had action set pieces that were really, really well designed to the point where you had like proper close shave escapes. And I really, really liked that about it, especially as it being played on such a small handheld. So this atmosphere that it created was superb. It had this brilliant ambient music and a really sort of tense atmosphere. You really felt a sense of isolation and i think partly because so even though in metro prime there's basically no one to talk to other than ghosts in metro fusion you the only thing you talk to is your computer system called adam which is named after one of your former crewmates who died it was quite a sinister thing thinking that actually the only thing you had to, for company was an artificial intelligent echo of a former crewmate and i think that really enhance the that feeling of isolation because you were you were so alone even though you were talking to somebody you were talking to yourself essentially and there's these really nice bits when you move between sections you would get these almost like soliloquies when samus was on these elevators and that was what moved the story along it was really yeah really like i said really cinematic the bosses and the enemies were really scary there was like a shadow version of samus like dark samus when it was infected by the x parasite pursuing you and it had upgrades that you didn't have and there'd be moments when you had to you know run away or hide from it and those were just yeah fantastic the bosses were incredible some of them took up half the screen it was insane. One of the bosses was, uh, I think it was just called Nightmare. Oh, Nightmare. Yeah. And it took up, oh. literally took up half the screen. And I fail to believe that anyone could do that boss without taking any damage. Having said that, a quick Google search earlier on reminded me that, that actually that, that is possible. Uh, <laughs> So I had this originally on the Game Boy Advance when it first came out. The GBA. And I really enjoyed it. And then I got to play it again because it was part of the Ambassador program on the 3DS. It's just a really, really good game. It's got great graphics, 
great music, great story, really good gameplay, and I think it was just unreasonably immersive for a game that you were playing on such a small console. It felt like I was totally in it, like I was with Metro Prime, and I've just got very, very fond memories of it. It was a fantastic game. Mm. It's interesting that you brought up Nightmare, because that is my enduring memory of Metroid Fusion, yeah, because me I think it was... It was such a focused and singular aesthetic. It was fucking terrifying. <laughs> and like, didn't so much have like a boss theme, and just sort of a like a drone, wasn't yeah. it? And just really unsettling. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And the backdrop was like a like a, a robot graveyard or something. Yeah. Just pieces piled high, and then you'd knock his faceplate off, and he would mm. just melt. The more damage you did, oh, mm. fantastic! But terrifying yeah absolutely i mean as as a player I've, I've never played a metroid game outside of maybe like the first 10 15 minutes of one is is fusion a good place to start what was the remake that did the first one on the gba after this was that zero mission zero, zero mission. mission yeah like, is that a better place to start it's, it's one of those series that i've always wanted to give a go but i i don't know it's got to the stage now where there's, there's obviously the two strands kind of the uh the fusion games no no the prime game sorry and obviously the handheld ones as being something slightly different, and I, I don't know where to go, don't know where to start. I think that Metro Fusion might actually be a really good place to jump in. I think it certainly modernises that established formula that the Metroid series had, yeah. and I think playing that is, yeah, I think that would be a good good starting point. But then if you can't get hold of that, I definitely have a crack at Metroid Samus Returns on the 3DS, which I'm really annoyed they haven't ported over to the Switch because that would just be fantastic. But that was it was brilliant. It's the last game I bought on the 3DS and probably will be the last game that I buy for a 3DS. But it was, yeah, brilliant. And that, again, really modernised the classic sort of setup from Metroid 2 and introduced a lot of elements that had been in the series in Metroid Prime and some of the other games as well since... They're just brilliant, brilliant games, and you deserve to have them in your life, Chris. (laughs) I'll put it on the list. So, moving on, we have Chris. Please, can you tell us about your 72nd favourite video game, please, Mr. Dow? This game is a sports game, and there's there's not many sports games on my list. And uh, thinking about it, it's like, I think there are, you know, sports I enjoy watching as a spectator, in the same way that kind of when we talked way, way back uh, when Minty brought up Golf Story, he sort of said about the sports he enjoyed watching and, and you know, sports you don't enjoy watching, whatever. And I, I think the most boring sports in the world, at least as a spectator, are cricket, of which I don't believe there's, believe there's ever been a good video game version of either, and golf, which is tedious to watch, but conversely, has ha- there's been hundreds of fantastic golf games over the years. And I, I find it almost sort of inconceivable that for a sport that's as precise and laborious as actual golf has birthed one of the earliest staples of video games like it goes right right back you know early home computers had golf games the nes had a a reasonably decent golf game and it's something that's just been iterated upon again and again rather than kind of ever refreshed outright because there's there's only so much you can do with that format but consistently golf games have been enjoyable to to either sports fans or non-sports fans so going right back like golf on the nes like i mentioned was really good the same kind of golf on game boy is really good they're a bit dated but they they still are extremely playable and like we mentioned again right back that early episode there's little you can do outside of like the three click mechanic of, of of golf games outside of maybe using the an- the analog stick in in more you know current generation stuff so it's more that games have got better just because of having their harder edges kind of rounded off like quality of life stuff as opposed to actually changing the core format 
So going forwards again, PGA games back in the Mega Drive were really good. Everybody's Golf on the PSP was good. Uh, the Tiger Woods games on the PS2 were good. Even the the really boringly named the Golf Club for for modern consoles now is is a is a really strong game. But we all know from doing this list because of our own personal preferences that deep down any and all genres are elevated with the inclusion of Mario. Ah, and yeah. that's because this this is Mario Golf on the Game Boy Color as my seventy second favorite game. Fantastic! Yeah. yeah, it's it's a good one, isn't it? It's a bloody good one, mate. <laughs> it's a bloody good one. I mean, it's it's essentially just a golf game, like I've just mentioned, not dissimilar to much we, we've already said, but at the same time being essentially a, a light RPG. You know, it's got a bit of character and skill progression, all attached to what is a really solid golf sim. Yeah. So it's it's mechanically sound, it's challenging, and because it's a Nintendo game, because it's a a Mario game, it has real character. And I think that that's kind of what starts to appeal outside of it being uh, like a straight simulation, like say the PGA Tour games. It gives it like a face that's kind of more approachable. And I I think for me, it's it's honestly the best entry in kind of the the whole pantheon of golf games we've had over the years because it strikes a really nice balance between having enough depth to be something you can get better at and and learn, but also being really immediate, being something that, you know, anyone can pick up and understand regardless of whether you actually have any golf knowledge. And I mean, on the few occasions in real life that I've played, say, like pitch and putt or I've been to a driving range, whatever... I find the barrier to entry for for golf is so high that I'm always put off. Yeah. So it's like, you know, how do I drive a ball in a straight line? How do I even hit a ball, <laughs> you know, without looking like I'm trying to do a Happy Gilmore impression? How, how am I supposed to actually <laughs> hit the thing in front of me when I'm swinging a club right round above my head? Like, it's exactly. it's a lot to learn. And I mean, the, the last time, not that long ago, actually, I went to the driving range with my brother. I turned up wearing my pink Converse. I was wearing the T-shirt that came bundled with the original Super Mario Maker. And, I, and I'm standing there with like a borrowed club and this bucket of balls and looking around and thinking, right, golf is never going to be for me. Like look, Looking at how I'm standing here, I, I will not fit into this. Regardless if I hit this ball or not, I, I'm not going to be a golfer. But Mario Golf, on the other hand, lays all these things out in such a way that, you know, the idea of clubs having different distances yeah. makes sense you know the, the wind direction has a tangible effect stuff that you can kind of see how it's affecting your play stuff like you know if you fall in a sand trap it's difficult but it's something that's playable because everything's communicated to you and and set up in a way that you can just be like well this is still fun oh you know it's recommending a club i can use this makes sense off we go here you know you just move onwards and i think that's that's what it does really well that the, there's nothing in marigolf to put you off it's something that if, if you're willing to give it the first five minutes and just understand, you know, even with no knowledge of golf, you'll pick it up and have a good time. And again, this idea of like the, the three-click system, the, the kind of readying your swing, setting power, lock the precision of the shot, and then off you go. There's, there's almost nothing as satisfying as nailing like a really solid drive off, off the tee in, in a golf game. Yeah. And Mario Golf absolutely nails that from, from the first time you play it. It's just really, really good fun. So it is just a golf game. It's it's essentially just a, a straight sports golf game, but it is really, really great. And uh, I, I really want there to be more in that same style because although Camelot went on to do, uh, obviously, the GBA games, the, the golf and tennis versions on there as well, and I think they, they did the... Um, what was the Mario Tennis game on the Switch called? Aces or something? Aces, yeah. Like, it had a story mode, but it wasn't it wasn't the RPG stuff that we had in the past. It, it, yeah. So I'm still hoping that one day we get something that's more of a throwback to this, that's kind of closer to kind of simulation style that also has these these RPG light elements as opposed to it being all out party game sort of thing. I wholeheartedly agree with everything you've just said. I think that the best game of the Mario Golf series is 
the Game Boy Color one, and likewise with Mario Tennis as well, the yeah. Game Boy Color one. And the the RPG elements is what made it, you know, like you said, is what elevated it above everything else. And with that Nintendo polish and character and charm. Did, did Minty play this one? I did not, no. Sorry. Oh. Moving on, Minty. Let's move on to a game you have played and a game that you have played to the point where it is your 72nd favourite video game. Let's do that. There are two things I like in life. Feeling good and not dying. <laughs> <laughs> so last week we heard of a game from our pod brother Jonathan where you could not die in Smelly Rich Mario Land 2. Well, here's another one. It's the only game in this particular franchise that I've played and been able to enjoy because I can't really get on with the mechanics that the main series is famed for. I actually played Jonathan's copy of this game to completion when we lived together. It's a Wii game, but one of those ones that made you hold the controller like a like an NES controller, so it actually you know, controlled well. Uh, it's Kirby's Epic Yarn. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What a fantastic game that is. Yeah, there's no flying, like, you know, mm. like, whoop, 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 in that way that he does. There's mm. no inhaling enemies or stealing their powers. You've been transported to this this big land of fabric and the main in- mechanics of the game involve uh, stitching, mm. knitting, whipping enemies with a little bit of thread and like completely unraveling them in some kind of horrible kaleidoscopic nightmare it's just an incredibly feel-good game and very similar to warrior land 2 in that you couldn't die there was no timer and your main objective was uh, collecting fat stacks in this game there were beads weren't they Yes, they were. So you, you use those beads to purchase items of furniture for your for your housing complex that uh, the prince had given you, and you could you could use those bits of furniture to customize like different rooms in the apartment block, and then you can unlock things like music tracks by collecting hidden treasure chests and all that. But as you progressed on your journey, you could have little friends move into your flats, and those friends you make along the way unlock extra challenges like <laughs> uh, speed running a level maybe turning a stage into a, a game of hide-and-seek. Just really wholesome things that added a little extra life into an already lovely, lovely game. But the best part about it was, and the reason that it's in my list is because Kirby morphed into a little car and went beep-beep every time he ran anywhere. <laughs> yes. Love that. Yeah, totally valid. Yeah, what an absolutely glorious game that is. I, I mean, I fell in love with it as soon as I saw the aesthetic, and it's, it's just wonderful absolutely wonderful i mean i think i've spoken before about how kirby is just pure joy he's just so lovely Hmm. i never ended up playing through all of kirby's epic yarn i don't know why i was tempted to get it on the 3ds the remake that they did on 3ds i'm tempted too because i I never played the wii version i think i might still buy i might i think i was going to buy it for sammy so i might do that 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 could be the last 3ds game you you could it could be you could get one more you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna get it today. I'm gonna pop into a game and get it yeah. for, get it for her today. Cool. Yeah, just as a little I love you present. That's nice. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was disappointed that they moved the epic yarn aesthetic onto the Yoshi series instead of continuing it with Kirby because I don't like the gameplay of Yoshi, and I really really disliked the touchscreen operated Kirby games like Power Paintbrush on the DS and then the rainbow ride no it, it had a weird name it was it was rainbow something it wasn't rainbow ride rainbow ribbon 
Was it rain, Rainbow Paintbrush? Rainbow... Rainbow Connection. <laughs> rainbow <laughs> Rhythms. Rainbow featuring Bungle, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was it called? Let's look this up, come on. Oh, Jeffrey, can I play some Kirby? <laughs> <laughs> Kirby and the Rainbow Curse. Oh, that's the Rainbow right. Curse. Yeah, 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 it was yeah. not. It was not good. No, I th- I bought it when Satoru Iwata died. We all processed our grief differently, didn't we? Yeah, <laughs> I traded it in. Felt bad fairly soon after. I don't. I just did not like that mechanic at mm. all. And I really wish they'd done another Kirby's Epic Yarn. Certainly in like in high definition, because that aesthetic would just oh, it'd be so lovely. What a wonderful, wholesome game. Hmm. What a great trilogy of games we've just had. Firstly, we have Metroid Fusion, followed by... Mario Bleeding Golf. And then... The Pink Blobs Sewing Kit Edda. What's an Edda? Like the prose Edda from Norse mythology. Jeez, that's niche. (laughs) If you've enjoyed this episode, or if indeed you've enjoyed any of our episodes, please do like and subscribe, share it on social media, tell your friends, tell a loved one, whisper it sensually in their ear. If you want to reach out to us, you can. Maybe not after that comment, but you can find us on Facebook if you search for Our Three Cents. <laughs> or you can reach out to us individually. You can find me on Twitter, at Jonathan Dunn. You can find me at Chaz underscore Hodges. You can find me at Minty Booth. And please do join us next week for our 71s firsts. Live from Minty's Booth. Is that what we're calling it now? <laughs>